Kim, and I'm married to an addict alcoholic. Hi, Kim. My name is Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. We just, in I mean, like 20 minutes ago, got the office finally situated where it needs to be, which Great. is wild. We're in a new house, so you guys are probably noticing that things look different. A lot of chaos at the moment. Sorry for last week's episode. It was not that great, and it was only 17 minutes long, but it felt a lot longer when I was recording it. Because it was you talking by yourself. It was me talking by myself, trying to figure shit out. It was not not fun. I had a dream, um, not last night, but the night before, about, and it felt super real because we were just walking through the house, and... You were like, oh, maybe one day you'll be able to to handle a drink. And I was like, never, 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 never. That's weird. Yeah, it was super weird because uh, there was nothing like crazy about it. It was just a conversation. Dreams are stupid. But yeah, so that's another reason why we continue to do this is because my brain is still going to continue to try to trick me into making excuses for why it's okay to to use i have i still have dreams like that too (laughs) that makes sense okay but yeah that's why we still do this this is your aa meeting this is my AA meeting uh we have a guest today and uh do you want me to tell my story of what happened this last week what happened what happened last week no this last week oh yeah yeah i got ran over by a car basically um someone that is in my life that they say they're not using i can't tell maybe they're not um but they also haven't been very honest with me about that um was very odd came to help me paint very tired ish not quite there all the way i got out of the vehicle because i was going to drive their vehicle and the their vehicle ended up going backwards down our driveway with me in the door so, yeah, with the door open, you mean? Yeah, right? the door was open and I was standing in the driveway and it was coming down at me and the door was... Right, so the door is pushing you down the yeah, driveway. Yeah, into my back. Oh, you were turned around? Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. And, I mean, how did the rest of the day progress? Oh, well, I didn't bring it up. I didn't... Well, I, at first I was like, you just ran me over with your vehicle and there was like, a, no, I didn't. And it was a lot of yelling, put your car in park, put put your brakes on oh it is it is and then later on i just didn't bring it up and then i brought up like how long have you been sober and they said well before it snowed um but they also went recently on a trip somewhere where um the person that they were with drinks a lot so i asked if you know maybe they were drinking there and they said no so i don't know it's hard it's hard because with you, I feel like if you relapse, you'd be honest and tell me where this person hasn't been honest about really anything. So it's I mean, hard. We we would hope that I I would be. Yeah, honest it's about true. It. Yeah. It's, so it's it's hard to know. I don't know if that person was. I don't think that person was actively intoxicated when that all happened. I don't know if they were coming off or if they were. Yeah. Yeah. So if they were sluggish from the night before. Or something. Yeah. I yeah. gotcha. I get what you mean. But I also now haven't heard from that person in over 24 hours when I was texting them about helping me paint this weekend. And, you know, on Facebook, you can see when they were last active, if they have that and they haven't been active for a while. So I'm a little concerned. But mm. well, I mean, they're a little older, too. So 
yeah. might just be that they're not using that that uh, app. No, they use it all the time. Oh, okay. But anyway, okay. Uh, we have a, a guest today. And I mean, I've I've been excited and I always feel weird saying I'm, I'm excited that that someone's here on this show because it's like I, I want to highlight stories, but I don't want it to seem like like, oh, cool, great content coming up here. <laughs> so it's it's just nice that you're willing to, to come on here and, and kind of talk about the, the stuff that you've been through. Um. So, what do you prefer to go by? Joe. Joe. Okay. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, we've known each other for, shit. A very long time. 15 years at least. <clears throat> I'd say more than that probably, but yeah. Yeah. But so I was just trying to figure it out, like. Next year is my 15 year uh, graduation. Oh, fuck. Then, so, it's yeah. been more than that. <laughs> <laughs> God And that's damn. weird to say. That is wild. So yeah, we we grew up in the same town, saw a lot of the same shit. Um, tell me what childhood was like for you. Like, did did you guys live in in Becker your whole life, or were you? No, I grew up in Minneapolis um, for the first twelve years of my life, and then we moved to Becker in two thousand April Fool's Day, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you have brothers and sisters. I have one brother. Okay. He's older. And your parents were together the whole time or no? Yeah. My entire life they were together. Okay. And what was that relationship like? Like how were your parents together when you were growing up? Mm, Terrible. Like they always fought. That's all I remember of them is like fighting. So if they were even home together. So they both worked a lot. Okay. And... Did substance seem to play a role in any of that when you were growing up? Absolutely. Um, They were both like alcoholics and um, they actually grew marijuana in the house and they were often doing that kind of stuff. So they did way more than that, though, too. I mean, so do you remember like when you kind of grasped what was going on? Probably more after we had already moved and like things had kind of calmed down. My mom stopped drinking when we moved to Becker. And um, I want to say like after all that, when I looked back, I was like, that was not right. That was not normal. It's something that we talk about on here a lot, too, is like you don't realize how wild of a situation you were in until you tell somebody else. And they're like, what are you talking about? My parents didn't do anything remotely close to that. And you're like, oh, fuck. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, like I look back at old pictures and pretty much every picture where you can see our kitchen table, it's just like covered. There's no space. It's just beer bottles everywhere. Wow. Yeah. So. Jesus. So, I mean, um, I'm trying to think of how to. So your, your views on substance when you were growing up, like were you a part of the youth group? like the cult yeah yes I I went to the cult a couple times (laughs) Uh, yeah no I don't know I growing up I was absolutely against it I was like I'm never gonna drink I'm never gonna smoke I'm never gonna do drugs I was super hardcore um, straight edge before I even knew what straight edge was and then um, I think in high school I like started to experiment a bit more and like 
was like, well, I can't hate something if I've never tried it, you know? So mm-hmm. even though I've watched it destroy people, it didn't matter. Like, I was like, I should at least, you know, like, what is it all about? Why yeah, are these why people do- so into it? Yeah. 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 So. Well, and um, the we 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 were uh, in similar groups where we would see each other a lot. And one thing that kind of binded us all was the mental health stuff that we were all going through. Not everybody grasped what was happening and it was called emo being emo. Yeah. When really like we all had like either severe anxiety or depression and, and all that stuff. So like when you did start to, to drink, um, did you feel that it heightened or quelled any of those feelings? Does that make sense? Um, at first, like, I feel like I was literally just doing it to fit in. Like, people would go to the football games and drink at the football games, so I would do it. I didn't really even feel, I don't know if I felt anything or if I even noticed what was happening, but I just did it because all my friends were doing it, and I was like, you know, I'll try it. And it was usually, like, spiked with Mountain Dew, so, and I love Mountain Dew, so I was like, <laughs> hey, that's fine. And I mean, yeah, the like... Obviously, high school, the weed always makes its way in there and, and, and changes people's disposition. And something like in high school, uh, weed is either glorified or you're made to be a loser. And I feel like in Becker, at least like with my class, like weed made us cooler. And the fact that we could get weed for people was the, the big thing. And like, so it gave you... Um, a, like this sense of confidence on top of that like people perceived uh my friend and i well my friends and i um is like cooler and chill and this and that and like i seemed to be the only one that was like having panic attacks when i was smoking weed or like smoking way too much because i was way too depressed and like all of these things and it it's crazy to think the school district now has such a better grip on mental health stuff than when we were going to school. And it sucks that like, like, do you remember, was his name Pete? That counselor, he was supposed to be like, uh, I never went to the counselor once, which I definitely should have been going to the counselor, but I never went once. Really? Yeah. I think though now, like the, we're just learning more about mental health. So it's more in schools. Like they contract with companies where those companies bring actual therapists into the schools i know where i work they do that yeah we have um community-based people who go into schools so yeah especially with like suicides you know i mean back when i was in high school like if a suicide happened they didn't have like a crisis team come talk to people they kind of didn't really know what to do or now like they'll have like the crisis team come out and talk with people and open their doors up for people to be able to talk i gotcha okay Let's go. What was it that did your mom make the decision to stop drinking when she moved to Becker or did something happen or did they move? Like, I was just interested about that because you said when she moved here, she quit drinking. I honestly don't know what her reasoning behind it was. I know that um, religion became a bigger part of her life when we moved. Um, Getting away from the cities was really important to her. So, yeah, I don't know exactly what her like mind frame was as far as quitting um, drinking. She pretty much cold turkey quit drinking and smoking. So wow. Did you, but I mean like t- to your point, like did she convey anything to you guys as to why she would want to stop, or did no. it seem like she just all of a sudden was done with it? 
honestly, from my point of view, all I knew is one day she just stopped. Like when we moved, she stopped. So, okay. And I know like when I was younger, it was like, oh, she just doesn't want to like mess up the new house. So she doesn't smoke in the house or whatever. Oh. But it really just became like. Like, she just never smoked anymore, okay. so. And we got a new car when we moved, and again, I thought it was like, oh, she doesn't want to smoke in the car, you know? And it's too cold to smoke outside. Right. So, that, yeah. So, I was like, I thought maybe those were part of the decision, but I think a lot of it was just, she was just turning over a new leaf in life kind of yeah. thing, so. New wow. new town, new, you know, chapter. Let's get rid of the things that, okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You want to pull that just a smidge closer to you. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Um Okay, that's a good point. So to bring it back to that, so your mom stops. Um, was that a point of contention then with your dad? Like, would you hear them argue about how he is still drinking? Oh, yeah, all the time. Okay. Yeah. Like, my mom would, like, freak out on my dad because he would black out at a bar and my brother and my mom had to go pick him up and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah. It's so fucking rough. And was he still drinking in the house then, even though mom wasn't drinking? Yes, yeah. Okay. 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 He never stopped drinking. Like, I actually asked him recently, and he was like, yeah, I've, I drink at least a beer every day. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's not normal. No. no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, th- to some people it's normal. It's n- It becomes unnormal when somebody, the, it's not that I have a beer every day, it's the at least. Right. So but when it when it's like I have to I have to have at least one. Whereas somebody's like, yeah, I just one after work and then I'm done and everything's fine. Right. <sighs> Sorry, I keep slouching in my chair and I just realized I was sliding. <laughs> keep going, Kim Duke. Well, you're just like all over the place. I know, I know, I know. So with, that's my brain. But with too. with so with the parent thing though, because I'm I'm glad you brought it back to that. Um, what was is your brother older or younger? He's older. She, she said older. older. Okay, okay. Um, did he move? How old was he when you guys moved here? Then was he still like in high school? He was fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Did your mom? like ever threaten to t- like take you guys away no okay. nothing like that no no they, they my just, mom didn't even really like she always said she was too good of a christian woman to uh divorce so like uh, it was never anything like that it was just they were just gonna fight worse it was never gonna yeah. be like a breaking point it was just they were just gonna fight worse <sighs> so and did you witness any of it then oh all the time yeah, yeah. Okay. it was like they never got physical as no. far as i knew but yeah. like constant yelling and screaming okay and then like other substances mom quit all that stuff too right i think so yeah like um she might have smoked weed every now and then but she was also like going through cancer so okay like that could have been part of that i don't know if it was like that was my next question When, when did that start um i think she got her first cancer diagnosis in like 2001 Holy shit. So like wow. really shortly after. Because I remember um, she she always told it like she quit smoking and almost a year to the day she went in because she thought she was having heart problems. But um, they were like, no, your heart's fine, but you have lung cancer. So 
Like, oh. and she was like, Jesus. so then she always joked and was like to all of her friends, she was like, never stop quitting, never quit smaking because <laughs> you'll get lung cancer. Because <laughs> she was like, I was trying to like prevent that, you know, yeah. like she wanted to make sure her health was okay. But did know. dad smoke all the time? He still does. So even when she was going through her treatments and everything. Yeah. Not in the house or anything like no. she, that was forbidden when we moved anyway. So, yeah. um, but he did. I'm quit. sure there was some contention there where she's like, I have lung cancer and you are still you know yeah he did quit for a, like i want to say it was a, cu- a p- couple years maybe even but okay then um when i think about that like i think maybe he didn't really quit he just you know hit Said it well it, yeah, enough yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that he didn't hear the the fight at home right. about yeah. it, so i mean so What, what what if you're willing to share like what what do you know now of your mental health? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I've been diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety and um, BED, like I was talking to you before, uh, binge eating disorder. Oh. Um, I don't have any other diagnoses, but I definitely have like ideas of that. I know that there's more there. I just never had testing done or anything like sure. that. But um, and I hate to self-diagnose because that's terrible, but. Um, when you fit a lot of the symptoms and everything, like you can have an idea. Um, well, I think, and I've told you this before, like, uh, knowledge is a curse if you choose to do nothing with it. Right. And so like for me, like, and this is only within the last like six months that as I learn stuff now, I go, okay, so what does that mean that I need to do? And it's not that I'm perfect now. Like I still have absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, I still have slip ups. These microphones are were a very impulsive, manic purchase. Yeah, Yeah. I suffer from that too. Where like I will just go on a shopping spree. Amazon is the devil. I need to take the uh, the face lock off of my phone because that's how I pay. Oh wow, it's terrible. That's I'll just be laying in bed and be like, "Mm, I just spent a hundred dollars. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So. definitely have some impulse control there too so yeah so i mean that like but yeah i'm i'm trying and it's it's tough now like with you know fucking pandemic going on and everything but so how old were you when you started to notice like that kind of sinking feeling or trapped feeling um honestly looking back it was a lot earlier than I like be- when I actually realized what that feeling was. Okay. Um but like I remember when I was like 6 I would tell my parents I was going to kill myself. Wow. And I, and like I just thought that was normal. I look back now and I'm just like dude people don't say that when they're 6 years old, you know? Mm-mm. Like no 6 year old has a reason to want to do that really. So Right. And I mean did was there anything that made it better? Um, medication now, but, um, but I mean, when you were younger, like when did you first start taking medication? Oh, not till I was like in my twenties. Okay. Um, when I was younger, just not being home helped. Oh, like I would just go find my friends and hang out with them and kind of like, just ignore my problems. Yeah. So I'm curious, like if, um, if there's like consistent, aggression kind of like the 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 home life that she had can that turn into trauma does that make sense like well experiencing the things you did as a child yeah that can be trauma why are you getting mad at me <laughs> don't Tra- be mad trauma comes I'm in a lot mad. of different yeah. like forms yeah yeah, yeah. So. so i'm and that's yeah. what i'm like i'm trying to so figure you're out. trying to diagnose her with ptsd 
Well, I feel like that's no, where no, you're no, going. No, no, no. Oh. I'm saying if you're experiencing trauma at home, yeah, removing yourself from that situation, I get what you're what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't erase the trauma though. Like, no, right. Like, it was pretty traumatic knowing I had to go back home mm-hmm. to it too. Yep. So like, I would try to spend all my time with my friends. Like I would just leave and not come home for the whole day. Yeah, almost every day. So. But the, you can vividly remember like those beer, you know, all those beer bottles and stuff on the like, that's a part well, of trauma. No, honestly, I can't remember much of my childhood at all, which is why I know I have trauma because my therapist has told me that. Yeah. Um, but looking back at pictures, uh, that's when I see all that. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Okay. Like, that's, that's a lot of my childhood too. Like certain traumatic events. I can't remember certain things. And that's where, you know, you have some type of trauma because you've repressed it so far that even like sometimes therapy you still can't bring it back out like it just takes so much work and then you almost don't want to bring it back out because you don't want to really like that's why a lot of people do emdrs to try and relive that trauma and cope with it and it's like i don't want to go through all that it works people say it works great but i've considered doing that because like honestly i don't remember any of my childhood almost like i don't Every story or like every memory I have is basically a story that someone else told. Or looking at a picture. Yeah. And you feel like you remember like, it. Oh, I can kind of like place myself there, but it's never like a memory that I brought up. Yeah. And so. that's hard too, especially when you're around. Like it's hard for me because Chris has like this crazy memory of his childhood. Like I listened to his podcast with his brothers and it's like, how can they remember things from when they're five and six? Like, I don't really like, I remember third grade. I had stomach ulcers because I was under a lot of stress and I can kind of remember the stressful things going on, but I don't remember so much that it's like, how can they remember all these events? But I can't remember anything. Well, and that's the other part of anxiety too, though, is like the shit things just replay in your head. So I think that's part of why my memory is is good in certain regards because but I you, have like it's not snaps. even just like the anxious things you remember. You remember like the most random memories where I'm like, how would he even remember that kind of stuff? Yeah. Some yeah. of that I do remember, like really random stuff. Like I remember I would always run home to watch WWF when it was still WWF wrestling and I would sit in front of the TV with my hands in my head or my head in my hands and just like stare up at the TV. And I remember stuff like that and like very little random stuff that's super insignificant. Like I don't remember a whole lot of in, like significant events. Oh, okay. In my oh, interesting. Childhood. So. Okay. And it's super sporadic. Like I couldn't tell you the years or how old I was when those things were happening, yeah. but Okay. Where do we go next? Okay. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you're this tumultuous relationship plus your mom. Did she go into remission then? Um, so she had, uh, she did chemo, I think, and she had two thirds of one of her lungs removed and then she was, she was good for like good. She couldn't breathe super well for the longest time, but, um, well probably ever, but she was good cancer free for like 10 years. I want to say. I didn't know that you could remove part of your lung. (laughs) I didn't either until, until my mom had it done. Yeah. Wow. That is fucking wild. Yeah. I think you can actually function with one lung. Yeah, you can. You don't need both of them if one is damaged, you know? Oh, oh, I, I get what you're saying. Okay. But you're like her breathing had always been really shallow and she couldn't like, she couldn't go on a hike ever or even a walk. She would. Was she on any like supplemental oxygen or anything like that? Or just the heart? She hated the idea of being like strapped to something. She didn't want to have an oxygen tank with her and she didn't want to like do any of that. So she 
like she had an inhaler um and so she would work with that and that was about it so if she was having issues breathing she would do her inhaler and okay and she would try to like work out and walk but my mom was a, a bigger lady and like that already added struggle to working out so then just you know only having one functioning lung yeah made that bad too so so when did the so she uh was diagnosed with cancer again she had cancer three times yeah three times so after her lung cancer she was good for a long time and then um i don't remember exactly what was going on but she ended up going in and she found out she had uterine cancer so she got a full hysterectomy and um she was good again like she i think she did radiation that time and she was good for several years i don't know how long but she was good. And then uh, and then they found out she had colon cancer because um, I think her uterine cancer had just spread to her colon. Oh, but, oh fuck. Um, so then she had like eight inches of her colon removed and she was good again for a couple of years. I don't remember when she was diagnosed with having that, but yeah. Okay. So Jesus. So when when you would hear her say that she was diagnosed again. I mean, do what? What is that feeling like? So the initial one was like terrible because I did not know what that meant. You know, like cancer means death when yeah. you hear that. Um, but then after she was good for ten years, like, and then she was like, "Oh, I have cancer again." It was scary, but I was like, "Well, you beat lung cancer. That one's like horrible." So mm-hmm. you know, like, you're a fighter. You're gonna be fine. And she was so. And when you hear uterine, you're like, well, you can get your whole uterus removed and all that. As a lung, you can only get so much, you know. Right. Yeah. And then with colon, you're probably like, well, you've got so much of a colon that they can, they, I mean, and they can always do like grafts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. And because like by the time she had colon cancer, she had already beaten lung cancer in my eyes and beaten uterine cancer. So I was just like, what's another one? Like just fucking knock it out, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't like by then I was just like, okay, well. I wasn't even scared of her dying from that or anything. So it was just, okay, another procedure. Like, let's get it done. Wow. So how was your dad during during all of this? Like all the cancer diagnoses and all that. Do you remember anything about that? Honestly, not so much. Like he worked a lot. So okay, I don't remember. Like I know he was bummed and everything. And that's part of the reason why he stopped smoking for a little while was because, you know, my mom had had that issue but yeah and then you said during your childhood your parents both worked a lot yeah was mom still working through all this like would she take time off and during her treatments and work or was she just kind of muscling through it she kind of just muscled through she worked a lot like i don't even remember her really taking a lot of time off unless she was in actively in the hospital okay so okay but she had a like kind of unconventional job she uh was a mobile a mobile notary so oh. she like went house to house and like signed loan documents and had um notarized those for people okay so well that's kind of nice then i was gonna say have... i didn't even know that exists that would have been nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> it does exist she actually asked me if i wanted to do that for she always asked me if i wanted to do that too and i was just like oh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay but well that's good she was still able to work i think and did that kind of help with their arguments where they were working so much they weren't together as much and yeah, and I mean, I was at school, and when I was home, I, you know, yeah, blaring loud emo music or something, or playing video games with headphones on. So you didn't really, you tuned it out. Yeah, like yeah. I spent a lot of my time, like my life, learning how to tune it out and just like finding different ways. Or if I heard them yelling, I would just kind of like. When I was younger, I used to scream and like cry and like try to get them to stop, but yeah. 
as I got older, I was just like, this is just how life is, this I is guess. This is how it's so, going to be. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have to have you back on to discuss the nuances of My Chemical Romance. <laughs> you know, I, I liked them, but they were never my favorite band. Okay, well, this interview is over. Yeah. And right. Nice, <laughs> nice talking my, to you guys. They're not my favorite band either. Oh! I don't even know They're not even in my top five. They're not in my top ten. Jesus Christ. Uh, They they might be creeping in there, but definitely not top five. I don't know. So I think like I have this thing where um, the more popular something is, the more I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So like my chemical romance was huge and all my friends would talk about it. And I was like, "Mm, they're okay. (laughs) You know, like I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're whatever. I liked them like first album when no one (laughs) knew about them. Taste of Chaos. I'm like, I know all these songs. And then all of a sudden they start getting popular and I'm like, yeah, and I mean, I was ready to pay some good money to go see them when they were um, going to tour again, and I was like, "No, nah, not not that much money though." Like, not top ten money. <laughs> nope. <laughs> when Gerard kissed Burt McCracken, though, it was beautiful. I loved, I loved the Used, like for the sure. Used is my number one favorite band. They're not my favorite, but again, they're they're probably in my top five when I like emo bands. So. Yeah, well, all who's, right. Who's no- number one is Motion City soundtrack, like Minnesota man. Gotta yeah, represent. They're not, they're not even my top fifty. Really? Oh, I love. I them. Want he them also, more. if you if you haven't listened to the music, like Justin Courtney Pierre, he like is super like into mental health, and his lyrics are very. They seem strange and like random and stuff, but a lot of it is very like. It kind of hits home as far as mental health goes. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. I was. I thought you were gonna say Spill Canvas is your number one. They are my number two. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Um. Okay. So. So go- when did you kind of notice that your dad had a problem? Well, no, I hold on. You are just like taking too long. <laughs> I know, I know, out. I know. But remember, I can edit these things. It's true. So be nicer. Um, <laughs> there, there was something in you where when you would start relationships, um, there was some something that could go wrong. It seemed like. And all of them. And I'm curious as to like, do you notice, did you notice a pattern in the partners that you would choose in the, and was it in the back of your mind that like, probably not going to work out, but. I mean, like my self-esteem always told me it wasn't going to work out. I don't know if it was anything like, like I didn't pick any specific people. My first boyfriend ever didn't drink or do anything like that. Um. I feel like I probably picked emotionally unavailable people. Ah. And I don't know like what that stems from completely, but yeah, that was kind of my big thing is like people who like have no depth as far as communication for of emotions and like feelings. Well, and that's a, a like a, a trait in addicts is like this. I don't know if disassociate is the right word, but we like separate ourselves from having like we find every um excuse and explanation possible to prove that we don't have a problem and so when we have this wall up it's you you have you become very emotionless like kim could speak to that like in the ways that i would uh gaslight her and make her feel like she was crazy for thinking that i had a problem and somehow turn it around on her you were like that before your addiction, though. You'd have moments where you made, like, you... Maybe you've just had this kind of addictive personality forever. But, like, when we were first dating and you would do things, you would switch it around and make it seem like it was all my fault. 
Yeah, well, I I would say that uh, being like a, a sex and love addict at that point, like sex and love addict, and having the um, codependency issues. Yeah. So it just breeds destruction. Like I, I, I say it all the time. I'm I'm insanely lucky that I have a functioning family right now. Like all signs point to me being homeless. Basically, like it's fucking wild. So I'm lucky in that regard, but to your, to your situation, like it makes sense that whole not being emotionally available because you have to be kind of aggressive to make sure that nobody takes this thing away from you. So for me, I think it was like I was trying to find a balance because I'm like super uh, oh, emotional. I was talking more like your dad. Oh, okay. So like the 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 stance that you have to have in order to keep your addiction, to keep the thing that you definitely don't have a problem. You just really enjoy it. Mm. And who are these people to try and make me feel like the thing that I enjoy can't be a part of my life anymore? Does that make sense? Not really. Like, I don't know. I don't know where you were going. Like where you, you just went from like her relationships (laughs) all the way to her dad. That makes sense. Because you were saying, People who are emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. were who you gravitated towards. Right. Was your dad emotionally available then? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Okay. Like, so that's the connection that so, I was trying to make. Well, I'm was trying to okay. make it clearer. We are <laughs> Deborah, both... be nicer. <laughs> you come across as a straight dick sometimes on no. the microphone. <laughs> At least smile when you. <laughs> I I do. I struggle I, with I, I, connecting the dots. So just be patient. <laughs> It'll come full circle eventually. Give me some goldfish and <laughs> it'll make sense eventually. So that's what I was trying to get around to was like it that what you're describing makes sense based on the history because and and I'm trying to explain what I'm assuming your your dad was going through, mm-hmm. which was when when you don't accept um, what's in front of you. Uh, John Cleese has this saying, uh, which is that uh, stupid people lack the capacity to recognize that they're stupid. And what that's saying, it's obviously that's like really aggressive, but what it's saying is when you're in the, the throes of anything, like if you're so deeply involved in something, you more than likely lack the capacity to realize that you're so heavily invested in this thing and other people see it. So with addiction... Most addicts lack the capacity to truly recognize their addiction until they hit like a rock bottom or something. Right. So when you're going through that and how, how old is your dad? 67, I think. Okay. So yeah, you've got the whole like men are expected to be a mask. Right. Like there's no emotion. You don't get to show emotion. My dad's the same way. My dad's 67 as well. And it's like, you you don't show emotion. They don't like their age too. They don't understand mental health very much. It's because they always are like, you just get over it. Put your pants on, get over it. And my dad's very much the same way. Like when I was going through mental health things, when I was in high school, like I was hospitalized, came out and he goes, did you learn your lesson? I could see my parents doing that if that had ever happened to me, but they often like downplayed my mental health. Yeah. I'd be like, they'd be like, oh, like you're fine. Just yep. like yep. buck get up. Over buck it. up was their favorite yeah. thing to say to me. Buck up. Yeah. My dad's, it was so, get over. Just yeah. get over it. Whatever. So addiction is a sign of weakness. And 
admitting to that is like, no, I'm not weak. I, I have a job. I have a family. Bah, 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 bah. Right. I don't have this weakness that you guys are trying to put onto me. Right. I, I like especially notice that in the older uh, yeah. Well, and like my dad um, grew up with depression age parents and like my dad's dad was in the military and like, oh. you know, like there was military stuff, too, which is also like I think it's getting better now. But it used to be like super toxic as far as like masculinity goes and like just you had to be like strong and, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't show emotions or feelings and yep. stuff like that. And it like really reinforced what society was already kind of pushing back then. And like, yeah. it just like doubled down on it, doubled down on it. Yeah. So. It's a weird one to try and I gotcha. Yeah. It's like saying I edited it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, because obviously we're, we're here to, to talk about like the, the stuff that, um, the way that addiction has affected you, but, something that is equally as important to us is, is the mental health stuff. So the, the things that you've been through and seeing what you're trying to accomplish now, I, I want to highlight that too. Mm-hmm. So like, so people don't think that you're just somebody coming in and complaining about dad drinks too much. Like you've been through a lot of shit and I've never known you to be malicious or shitty in any way. So to like get knocked down so many times and continue to get back up and then to be so dedicated to your family where people give up, like especially with older parents, they'll be like, yeah, you know what? He's never going to change. So fuck it. So, I mean, when 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 did you move out and when were you mo- living on your own? I moved out a couple of times and then I moved back, to, moved back in and stuff like that. But um, I think originally I was like 20 when I moved out the first time. Okay. So I, I did stick around for a while. But I, as soon as I graduated high school, well, even when I was in high school, I got a job right away and I was just at work a lot or else I was out with friends. And I do, I do have my own sort of addictive personality as well. Um, because when I was in my early 20s and stuff like that, I was drinking a lot pretty heavily oh. and like... But I realized what I was doing and like I was drinking to the point of blacking out almost every time I would drink. Um, And I didn't like that and I didn't like the person I was. So I just stopped. And I recognized that it could have been been a problem if I just were to continue. So and we we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but but um, and we were talking about it before, uh, which is uh, food addiction and like how it's controversial and tough to diagnose and all these things but like um when at what point did you realize that you had um a a problem in that regard well probably like 15 is when i realized it but i didn't like do anything about it you know like i was like oh like i just need to go on a diet or something like that you know it was never like i didn't know what was a problem until it was like more diagnosed and i had read more about it and after i had figured out exactly what it was that i was doing so and i think binge eating disorder hasn't really been talked about in like more so the last what five ten years right because oh, before wow, like the, yeah because before it was bulimia, bulimia and anorexia. anorexia were the two eating disorders right and they there was almost a stigma against binge eating disorder it's like you're just choosing to just eat right. all that food but it's like now what we've learned is there's a comfort in eating that much food no one purposely eats themselves till they're sick like who like we don't but like we're not telling a bulimic you're making yourself puke to the point you're getting sick 
that's an issue but now with binge no let me finish sorry 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 with binge eating disorder that yeah it's and it's a lot of around emotions Mm -hmm. so everyone's like well you're just an emotional eater that's why you're eating so much but it's like it's a disorder where you start that eating and you get uncomfortable like you get sick but you almost can't stop right but it is i wonder when it because i feel like it's last five ten years it's really been kind of out in the forefront Right. I think I got diagnosed four years ago. So like it's pretty recent in my life. Yeah. Um, But I think I've suffered from it from my whole life. And a lot of times when I first realized I had it, I kind of thought maybe it was like a conditional thing because growing up, like you don't waste food. Like Mm. you clean your plate. And Um, I think that's that that age too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like there's seconds and like if you get seconds, you got to clean that plate too. Like you don't waste food. So I think part of it, like I thought it was conditional and it might've been like part of it might've been, but it was also the emotional, like due to depression or anxiety or whatever. Like, Oh yeah. So, well, and from the, the little that I've read on it too is, um, you, you fuck up your reward system Mm -hmm. because food is associated with dopamine because you need it to survive. But the more that you introduce and things like MSG fuck up your reward system too. Um, and that's the thing that's really hard about like um, binge eating disorder. Cause how do you tell somebody like to, s- so like you can't just tell somebody, you can tell an alcoholic to stop drinking alcohol. You can't tell somebody to stop eating food. People need to eat food to live. So like, it's hard to like get somebody that's who true. does suffer from that to like wow. find that balance. Yeah. That's such a good even, point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. Yeah. So, that's, I can't imagine if, it, <laughs> if I went through treatment and everything and they were like, okay, so now you're going to have to have one beer a day. <laughs> right. Just try to keep it under control. Or five small beers a day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Por- portion so, your beers. Like you can never not eat. <laughs> yeah. So it's just about finding that like, Balance control. Yeah. And the wow. control. But and then when you have those emotional moments where you then you have the efforts where it's like, I don't really care. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. If you have a bad day, we talk about that, too. Like grabbing a candy bar because you're like, I'm so fucking pissed right now. I need a caramello yeah right oh absolutely like i experience that all the time either really high like anger or like stress or like really low depression like oh i know it's gonna help yeah Just food yeah so, and, and it's never you, good food it's never like nope. mm, i'm gonna reach for the celery no yeah it's and then you go through that i need cycle. a whole fucking pizza yeah yeah, yeah. So. mine's sweets mm-hmm. but then you go through that cycle then you get more depressed because you get angry at yourself what did i just do and then you go through that whole cycle yeah. and then you keep eating because you're like well i already effed it up i ate that whole pizza I, i'm a piece of shit i'm just gonna keep eating yep absolutely yeah yes yeah we yeah we definitely need to talk i i want to do like a whole we're, we're gonna have a professional on who deals with food addiction which i'm super psyched that, that she found us but um to to get back to like so you're dealing with tumultuous family life you have mental health stuff that technology or society just hasn't caught up to what the fuck we're dealing with yet um your mom keeps going in and out of remission. I mean, uh, how, <laughs> what, what did you do to cope with that stuff? I don't think I did. Like, I don't, I don't think I ever like fully accepted it and like coped with it. I think I just kind of like ignored it and that didn't help. <laughs> now all. as an adult, you're trying to cope with it all. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's all catching up to me and I'm dealing with it now, which sucks because <laughs> yeah. it's a lot that you like if you just 
compact it all into one thing and then like try to deal with it at once instead of you know having had I been to a therapist growing up or something like that like I could have you know addressed it all then but yeah now it's like here's everything deal with it (laughs) well yeah and you have responsibilities as an adult as a living in an apartment like there's all bills and shit like it sucks trying to figure yourself out to just be normal quote-unquote um and have and yeah all the real world stuff like yeah when we were in treatment there was all like we're getting better right things are going good but as soon as we leave here the world didn't stop right the bills didn't stop coming that like all there's gonna be so much shit to have to deal with afterwards it would have been nice yeah for right. sure. right and all the things like for you I'm, I'm sure you have friends who drink so like there's triggers all around you that could like eventually cause you to even no matter how much progress you make there's still always something that could just drag you right back so yeah like in dealing with that and learning how to cope with that is a big part of you know, healing as well. So, yeah, the first house I went to after, um, the like pandemic and everything had kind kind of chilled out. Um, we had agreed to. There was one friend that we were willing to go see, which was uh, Alex and and Caitlin. And the first time I go over there, there's a giant jug of tito's vodka on top of their fridge and like they're talking but all i can do is stare at that and like oh i remember the copper lid and the this is fucking wild right but that's man so intense sometimes i just need a second to kind of like process because if you're a listener you can pause it <laughs> but like we I, sometimes this it's just a, a lot to to process because because you're such a, a chill individual like i would say that anybody that knows you 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 let us know as much as you're willing to let us know uh but i would say like acquaintances were just like yeah she's super chill and honestly <laughs> the last like five or so years i'm a completely open book like even with people who don't know me that well like i'm i'm very like a strong advocate for mental health and i think the more you talk about it the less stigmatized it is and the more you can like work on healing for yourself as well so like i'm very open if somebody i don't know very well asks me about it i'm gonna tell them because it's part of my life you know like it doesn't it doesn't need to be a secret like that's great man it's a, if someone asked you about your dogs, you'd be honest about your dogs and tell right. them all about your dogs. Wow. Yeah. Um, when did, so I want to get back to the addiction part. Like, when did you kind of notice your dad had a problem? Like, was it after you moved out and came back and that kind of stuff? Or was it always there and then the older you got, you're like, okay, it's really a problem. So I don't think I realized it was a problem until after my mom passed away. And then, like, okay. it shit just hit the fan and, like, he retired and decided to just live his true life <laughs> is what I've kind of like noticed it okay. is. And so. how long has it been since your mom passed away? She passed away May 1st, 2019. Okay. So not too long. No. It's been almost two years or I guess a year and a half now. So. Okay. So I remember I actually like went to one of Chris's comedy shows right after it happened and he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> coping? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, did you, did your dad's drinking get worse after she passed away or um i think it got worse after he retired 
okay. it wasn't so much her passing away um her passing away like definitely let him kind of my mom kind of was controlling mm-hmm. and um she made him limit it a little bit but he finally just like was free to do whatever he wanted and um once he retired he was completely free because he didn't have to wake up in the morning to go to work so he could just you know drink himself into a stupor every night if he wanted so that's kind of what he was doing at that point was (laughs) uh still still is okay and how long has he been retired for um a year okay so like he retired october 31st halloween last year i mean that that's a a really 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 common thing and i don't know that i've ever we've ever said it on here but like um retirees uh a lot of them end up so that was i think that's why there was such a a, an age range there was a really big gap there weren't a lot of 40 year olds in there it was like uh 18 to 35 and then Boom. 50, 50 over and 60 up. and stuff yeah, yeah. these people yeah. who were retired and had all this free time and would drink because they were like you you don't you have there's no shame associated with it anymore right like I, you it's not like oh it's a tuesday i can't fucking drink i gotta work tomorrow yeah so when the shame is lifted and you don't realize that you have a problem it just gets 10 times worse right and that's when I noticed it is like, that's when I really like was like, okay, he needs some help or something. Cause, and I didn't know how, I still don't know how to completely help him because he's kind of got to help himself a little bit too, I think. Yeah. But. So what are some of the things that are kind of going on where you're like, this is a problem? Oh, the big one is like drinking and driving. Like that's where him and I get into huge fights because I'm fine if people drink, you know, like that's a lot of, most people drink, I want to say, um, but the fact that you can't even like go out and not drink and you want to drive home that's like and you can't reason obviously right absolutely not no like intoxicated drunky like drinking driving that kind of yeah and his favorite thing is i'm not that bad i'm not that bad Mm -hmm. i'm like the fact that you put that in there is a problem yeah (laughs) like if you're any amount of bad you shouldn't be driving. Yeah. And he like obviously doesn't rationalize with you about that. Or he's he his uh he's also he likes to think that he's good at drink drunk driving. Oh. That's the yeah. worst. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've, been, I've been doing it so long, I'm good at it. It's yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's it's great. <laughs> but at the same time your reaction time is a lot less than a regular person, but they don't realize that. They've just gotten lucky this far. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And well, and it's a lot of perceived uh, good like really it's just that no one's noticed that you're doing it the second that somebody notices that you're doing it it's like you know you're not good at it right like so I, I hate that when people say like i was the designated drunk driver it's like you just are getting lucky that there have not been police around and that no nobody noticing you driving has called the police or anything like that like it's not you're not good at it stop it so how did he do when the pandemic started and he couldn't go out and drink oh he still did he just go to friends houses okay and stuff like oh, that. okay and once bars opened up he was back in bars immediately so yeah, yeah. and now the, with the four weeks of you no know, bars is he just now hanging out with friends or? haven't talked to him <laughs> in a yeah. few days but uh he he went and saw one of his friends 
not that long ago too or yesterday i think so yeah i try to like until i know how to approach the situation better like because it's just super toxic right now like it's just me screaming at him which does not help so um until i know how to address things better i kind of just stay away how much do you think he drinks on average a day oh my god um i don't know i honestly don't know because he'll go from bar to bar and he'll have a couple drinks at each bar and then he'll go to his friend's house and have a couple drinks there and then he'll come home and drink beer so honestly i couldn't even tell you well and when an addict picks up on the fact that uh if if there's evidence around that shows how much they've drank, they start to figure out how to hide it. So even if you saw a, you know, a 24 pack in the garage, there could be a liter of vodka in the closet. There could be, you know, it's, and even though, I mean, are you guys still living together? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which you had told me to move (laughs) and still working on that, but well, it's tough. I, I get that. Like, it's 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 not easy um especially because financially this is the smartest place for me to be yeah um because the house is paid off and like it's it's easy to live there all my stuff is already there so like do i want to go and find an apartment to pay 900 dollars in rent or do i want to stay at a place where i don't have to pay that much in rent you know did you save up to move to hawaii um i did uh but then i ended up building up some debt and I just paid it off with the money that I had saved for Uh, Hawaii anyway. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Getting rid of that debt. That's fucking huge relief. Well, that's my thing. I like, I go into debt and then I pay it off and then I go into debt and it's, it's a cycle. (laughs) It's a fun time. We hear you. (laughs) Yeah. We're right there with you. We're underneath a lot of debt. You are sitting in a, in a house built on debt right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your first conversation with your dad like when you were like, I think you have a problem? Like, how did that go down? Do you remember at all? Um, well, we've had so many that I don't know when the first one was. But okay. I know his like go to response is I'm I'm having fun. I'm just having fun. And I'll be like, well, your fun is hurting people. And he's like, I don't care. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to do what I want to do. So. And this all started during retirement. This Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, What's your brother's views on everything? Like, do you talk to your brother about his? Yeah, we we talk quite a bit about it. And, like, he's pissed, but he lives in the cities. So, and he's got his whole family. Like, he's got a whole family and, like, his own set of issues and stuff that he's working on. And so, it's kind of been left to me to deal with. And he's like, I'm sorry that you have to deal with it. Like, he's he's said that to me many times. He's like, I'm sorry that you're, like, the front line. Yeah, the front line of the of the issue but yeah you're uh, and it's hard because you're trying to depict to that person exactly what's going on because i know when we were going through the situation with the person in my life we had someone front line there all the time seeing these things and i would almost like having my own family not being there it's like well is it really that bad like i, I didn't try to downplay it but they we also like me like me being your brother like we don't see the extent of how bad it is like you can tell us how bad it is and then tell you personally see it, you're like whoa but it is hard because it's like well you're there right. can you try and figure out how to deal with it well and my brother is he's he's aware of how bad it is and his um go-to is to just like let my dad self-destruct well not so much self-destruct but like hit his rock own rock bottom or force him into a rock bottom like my dad's like call the cops on him 
or my brother is like call yeah. the cops on him and like his go-to is like have him get arrested have him realize the repercussions of the things and i'm like well i don't like i don't want it to get to that point okay i would love for him to be able to take care of it before it gets to that point uh, but yeah but when does it become he's gonna kill somebody or himself before that happens you know yeah that's a, so. that gray line right of, yeah because I mean, he could get arrested. He could go to jail, sleep overnight, get a DUI. Will that change his views on it? That's what's hard. Is right. yeah. What are the the stipulations for a wellness check? You can call a wellness check on anybody if you have concerns about someone. It doesn't mean that they'll go out there. Like the officer needs enough concern to go check on somebody. Right. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've had to deal with that in mm-hmm. your role. Yeah. I've had to call a few times for wellness checks. Yeah. I don't think anything, because um, my, because my dad doesn't do the majority of the stuff at home. Like he just like sleeps it off when he's at home. Mm. He doesn't just get drunk at home because honestly, if he was, I wouldn't care so much because he's not out there driving and, you know, doing all that stuff. Do I want my dad to just be a at home drunk alcoholic? No, oh. but. But if you had to weigh the two, right. you don't want him out there potentially killing somebody because of his drunk driving right. or himself, like you said. Right. Yeah. So, um. Like, I don't think he would qualify so much as a, a wellness check completely because when he's at home, he's coming down, you know, yeah. like he's getting sober so so that he can do it again the next time. Mm. And what's hard is like bars don't really regulate how much someone's drinking. And if they're getting in a car and leaving, like you would think that they do. But if he's going from bar to bar to bar and then to a friend's house and it's not like, you know, what bar he's at where you can call wellness. Like he can legally be in a bar drinking right well and like chris was saying call the bars that he goes to and i was like i'd have to call every bar in the 50 mile radius because he he bar hops so much and he'll go to bars a little bit further away and stuff like that so okay i don't know if that's like him being like trying to prove to these bars as well that he doesn't have a problem you know because like if you see like when i worked at a restaurant people come in every day like it's sad you see these people and you know that they're alcoholics and like um but when you go to different bars and like oh we we only see him every every couple, like four days yeah or, whatever. or something like that then it's like you know he just comes out for a drink every now and then they don't yeah. realize that he's doing that at every fucking bar every day yeah so yeah, yeah. so and what's hard is like forcing people to get help it's not it's so hard like to force someone to get into treatment they have to be committed and i don't know how much you've learned about the commitment process through probably not very much because mm-hmm. it's outpatient but for someone to be committed like they have to over time show that they're a danger to themselves or others he hasn't technically gotten a car accident yet he hasn't done this and that so they'd be like well tell something bad like and the county and the judge can be the people that determine how bad is bad like i've seen people where i'm like i cannot believe this person has not been committed yet and they're not and they're not going to go and and then you go through that thing like if you force someone into treatment are they going to get anything out of it right sometimes they do because they need that push sometimes they it's so hard so here's the other shit thing um one dui so what is it one out of seven adults in minnesota has a dui just fucking that's insane. a lot yeah, yeah it's crazy i can't i can't remember the actual statistic i should yeah. look that up it's that was just the last time that we looked at it but um he's not gonna go to prison right no i know so here's the other thing it it requires x amount of time to be sober and if he goes into withdrawal 
that's a type of rock bottom to go. Why am I sick? Am I actually sick? Mm. And um, it's like to be able to show them like empirical evidence, like he's going through the shit and he's throwing up and he's sweating and all of those things to be like, Hey, this is happening because of your yeah, addiction. This yeah. is, this is why. And um, now we need to take you to the hospital to make sure that you don't have a seizure. Yeah. One out of seven licensed drivers in Minnesota has a DUI. It's wild. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. So, I mean, but the, <laughs> I might cut this part out, but what type of phone does he have? Android. So you could set up tracking on his phone? It's funny because we actually used to have that. Um, My mom had tracking on me and my dad just because my mom was a complete worry ward and a control mm-hmm. controlling person. So um, when she passed away, it was still on there on his phones. And I could see because we were all linked together, I could see where he was. And I could tell he was at the bar and it was driving me nuts. So I had to delete it because I would just get pissed off because I would see that he was at the bar. And I'd be like, he's at the bar again, bar again. And it was at the first, at first it was the same bar, but Mm. now it's starting to become like bar hopping. Bar hopping. So. So what you could do is go with an officer to the bar. And then when he comes out to the car, just be like, hey, you're gonna have to hand over the keys. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's the thing that sucks is like the amount of time that you have to invest into that shit is so grueling. Um, and like, even if he got sober, it doesn't automatic it doesn't make everything better. Like he could become insanely resentful. And even though he's sober, he just doesn't want to be around people anymore. Like it's. So sobriety just enables you to handle the shit that's going on in your life. That caused you to get to that, to lean on that addiction or whatever, right? Uh, yeah. So it just it just allows you to to do it with with a, a um without a, what's the fucking mind altering without okay. any mind altering substance. So you're able to look at it with clear a clear lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't make everything okay, right. which sucks. I wonder if he experiences any type of withdrawal symptoms. Like, do you think right shortly after he gets up, he starts drinking? Oh, yeah. Like, I've seen him as early as, like, 9 a.m. Yeah. And he'll so he have probably drinks, does start. So. I mean, yeah. so what's interesting with people, and I don't know if people know this, but the longer and the more you drink, you're dependent. Obviously, we all know dependency levels. But, like, he can be clinically. So, 0.08 is what we say sober driving is he could legally be walking around talking able to function at like a 0.15 mm-hmm. and that's his sober right whereas if i was a 0.15 i would be intoxicated i've seen people come in p- over 0.3 some over 0.4s and they're walking talking functioning i i would be intubated in the icu if i was that moan but they like de- they go so high right. where he could be he's like yeah i'm sober and he could be a point freaking one eight he's gonna get a dui for sure but legally like you're very intoxicated right but he and he might start experiencing withdrawals when he's at a 0.15 like he's still legally intoxicated and he's starting to experience like the shakes the sweats that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. and well my dad has been drinking since the 70s so i don't think he ever stopped ever so yeah and that's scary especially when someone's been drinking that long 
to the amounts that they drink, like his withdrawals are would probably be really bad where he would need like a to be like form like in a formal detox center to get through those withdrawals because he'd need some medications to get him through that because right that's scary well and he already has health issues on top of all that so it's just like i was just gonna ask that um does he like experience like arthritis or he has arthritis he had a massive heart attack like four or five years ago um but he's he's not worried about getting covid at all these bars is he no not at all he doesn't even wear a mask half the time or if he does his nose is out and like he does the whole thing but yeah no he's he's one of those people who's like super anti-masks and yeah, he doesn't. I don't know if he thinks it's like a, you know, fake or something like that. But he just, he has no regard. But I also like think part of that is like, if he had regard for his life, he would be yeah. doing the other things that yeah. he does. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. Like I think it's more of a just he's just gonna do what he wants, wants to, do to do and have fun and like. I lived this whole life. I raised two kids. I worked really hard. Now is my time to focus on myself, and I'm gonna do what I want. And no one's gonna tell me otherwise. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to have to wear a mask or do any of that yeah, stuff. I don't like want, he just wants to yeah. be free completely, and it's yeah. like okay. In entitlement uh, can lead to a pretty inflated ego, and and yeah, just continue to to push that fucking narrative that I deserve to be able to drink whenever I want. I deserve to be able to you know enjoy life on my terms and and all that shit. It's fucking it's it's it, it sucks. So. I I I still continue to think that you have to focus on yourself uh because uh people who are affected by addiction can become dependent on that situation um and drag themselves down and and, and it can become a really vicious cycle um because you you start to miss out on on life you're you're saying that you can't go out with friends because I have to make sure that he's not doing X Y Z and all of these things. It 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 can be yeah pretty detrimental. I've definitely had those like feelings and thoughts and conversations with people. I'm like, you know, I can't like, what if my dad decides to go out and get wasted? I have to be home in case he needs like absolutely needs a ride home or something like that. So, like, and do you think a part of it is because your mom's no longer here, and this is your living parent, so you want to extra protect them and keep them safe and interesting all that? I mean, kind of, yeah. And I was like, like that's one of my arguments with him too. I'm like, I just lost a parent. Like, do you want me to lose another one this quick? Like, what the hell? Yeah, and you're probably still coping with mom passing away and all that. Like, so having you want to protect your dad, like, because it's almost like you couldn't protect mom from her health issues. Like, you couldn't you couldn't solve that but i can solve the fact that you're drinking and making these decisions i have i can try and do that that's something i can see my hand in my hands i can focus on that but with mom it was so hard because her medical you know she was so medically complex you're not a doctor i can't fix that i can fix the fact that that you're drinking because that's a decision you are making you're making that choice at this point now i mean it's an addiction too mom didn't Choose, necessarily choose to have all these issues sorry listeners if you heard me giggle it's because the dogs are scraping at the door so so i wonder if like unconsciously you're yeah you're trying to protect dad because i wouldn't even to... say unconsciously yeah. i would say consciously like i'm it's something i've thought about like he is my only remaining parent yeah. and that's part of the reason why like my brother is so harsh about it he's like just 
get him get him arrested you know like make him realize the repercussions of the things that he's doing and i'm just like but that's our dad you know and like no. i find a way to like justify yeah right like yeah, i want to make excuses him. yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah yeah definitely yeah. for sure um this is such a dumb example but it's one that pops up in my head all the time um uh, there's this episode of dawson's creek where that one girl who's the main girl joey joe <laughs> did you watch dawson's creek i did yeah i fucking love oh, it i've watched hilarious. it so many times so her dad comes back to town oh right? that's right he gets out of prison gets out of prison and they find out that he's dealing again mm-hmm. and dawson is the one that gets him in trouble and she can't forgive him yeah exactly right, yeah. so like that's from the addict or codependent perspective like that's the danger is like the resentment towards others um so you yeah it's like you don't want to get that resentment from your dad right yes exactly yeah you're still trying to protect him it's like you're almost parenting your parents you've switched roles and it's probably been switched for quite some time it completely feels like that and whenever i talk about it like everyone's like it's like you're his parent and i was like yep and that can be exhausting because and mentally and emotionally, like you're also trying to deal with things that you went through through your childhood and then now realizing you almost realize you don't have a parent. And then when right. you hear about other people talking about their parents and all these things that their parents are doing for them and then you're like, yeah, I'm trying to take care of my like and not take care of my dad. Like he's I mean, he's ill. I mean, right. it's an illness, but like he's like functioning, functioning he's, ill. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I've told you this before, but it's it's the. They call it the disease of choice because you choose to use it first, but you have no choice. Uh, you have no control over what the substance does to your body after the fact. Right. Um, so even if you chose to to take that drink, like the way that your midbrain or your like passive functioning uh, controls choose to interpret that um, is just not up to you. You have no control over that. So. And you you don't come off as an angry person. Did someone just ring the doorbell? I can't hear anything. Okay, hold on. Okay, so you don't come off as an angry person. So do you feel yourself as this has been going on, like the longer it's been going on, you're developing more anger towards the situation? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not an angry person. And that's why like, it actually like hurts me to get so angry. Yeah. I was, I was wondering that. Yeah. Well, w- like when you... Because not a lot of people are at the point that you're at where you at least have some understanding of addiction. But once you realize that, it feels like you only have so much time. Like you don't know when the bad thing is going to happen. Right. So you're like the anticipation. It's like it feels very frantic. It's it's awful. So I mean that. Yeah. You, you, you get. So it's like. um like a ticking time bomb. When's this going to blow? Like when's that? Well, but I was going to say like when a when a parent uh yells at a kid to get out of the road, they sound angry, but it's because it's they panic. care. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like that. Uh, it's more of a yeah, like more of a panic angry then. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's what I was trying to describe is like each day you're like, okay, he's here now, but what's going to happen tonight? Right, right. Do you feel some comfort knowing that bars are closed again for another four weeks? Or does... I didn't even think of that, honestly. <laughs> like, I've been trying to distance myself so much from the situation that, like, I don't even think I realized that until you said, until you guys were talking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he can't go to bars now. So, yeah. 
It's almost like a relief for at least a short period of time. Not saying that he's not going to go drink at his buddy's house. I mean, he's right. still making those choices, but... The bars are closed for sure? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought that they had adjusted the... Nope. That, that was the previous. First. Yeah. yeah. Oh. They were... That wasn't working because we're still rising. We're still on the rise. So they shut yeah. things down like bars and stuff like that down. So Okay. Yeah. I got it. And you can only eat, get curbside Right. Food. The takeout. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that makes a difference too. It's not like he's going to Applebee's to get like dinner and drinking there. Right. Yeah. But that's almost worse because like if he was just going out to eat and had a drink with his meal or something, he would not be in the problem that he's in. Like yeah. he goes out with the explicit intent to just drink. Yeah. yeah. Like he's not going out to eat and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Eating gets in the way of how much you can fit in there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or my favorite is uh, like when he was going out to bars and he was drinking and I would call him like, what's going on? Like, where are you? Whatever, you know, check in on him because I am his parent now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, do you feel like, like you've almost taken that role of mom? But not, I mean, obviously right, not right. to the extent of the like, she obviously you're, had more control over it. But you're yeah, more yeah. caretaker. Right. Yeah. Well, yes and no like i do feel like i'm trying to be his parent sometimes because he's making terrible decisions and like you know i don't want him to do that but um my mom like i'm not taking the role that my mom had because she like she put an end to his like partying she like made him stop i don't know how she did it but she made him stop so i don't know but um i forgot what i was gonna say that's okay um, no wait we'll go hold on when you would call him and be like where are you at what are you doing oh yeah he'll he'll say um he'll be like i had a few drinks but don't worry i also had a water i'm like <laughs> okay that doesn't negate the drinks that you had <laughs> and that's his like excuse he's like i'm sober now because i had a water a water i'm like all right <laughs> and that's that's when i start to get angry i'm just like do you hear yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't know. It's just hard because it seems like he's so far gone into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then now I think I got my anxiety putty out because I like I didn't even think about the whole fact that if he does stop, he's going to have the major withdrawal symptoms. So like yep. it's a lose-lose situation at this point. Like he's either going to die from like drunk driving or... Get sick, yeah. Yeah, so. Or he could be one of those people, too. Like, a lot of people, that they'll just, like, slowly taper taper themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, like, I don't recommend it. But there is, like, you can look it up online and, like, how to self-taper yourself off without having to experience those withdrawal symptoms. Right. No, I know know there are ways, but, like. It's just scary. Right. Like, I didn't even think about that part, though, until you guys mentioned it. I was like, holy shit. That's a something like a real life thing that happens too i didn't even think and i like i go into school for nursing like we briefly talked about it very briefly and then when i was experiencing it with my family member and they had seizures and then the doctor was like these are the only withdrawals that will kill you like narcotics withdrawals aren't going to kill you you get really sick but physically like when they talk about alcohol it's just like holy crap like i didn't even realize that where it's so scary where i'm constantly if that person relapses i'm constantly like what happened the other day? I'm like, is this person like coming off of alcohol or are they going through withdrawals where they're so delir like the delirium that was going on with this person? I'm like, is this person overly tired or is- are they delirious to the point where they literally almost ran me over with their vehicle and they couldn't function? We went to Home Depot and we were talking about paint colors and they kept asking me the same question over and over and over and over again where I'm like, 
all right and then in my medical head i'm like are you in some type of encephalopathy delirium from withdrawals or are you really overly tired from working five days in a row and not sleeping or where it's just like and then i feel like i take that parent role too and then it becomes so emotionally mentally exhausting where i just like then you want to shut the world out and i think that's a part of your be no more becoming more of an introvert is like you want to shut everything out because you're so exhausted from dealing with that person all the time you don't have anything left in you to give to anybody else you know what you just said reminded me of something so recently not maybe not like a week or two ago i was talking to my dad and i've noticed recently he's um forgetting things a lot like he'll tell me something and then he'll tell me it again that like not long late after and like i thought maybe he's just having you know like he's getting old and like i was worried about his like what if he's getting alzheimer's or something like that you know like i didn't even think that it could be related to his drinking yeah yeah big time it does yeah and that person i talk about when i asked them like do you have any long-term effects from drinking and they said my memory i just can't remember things anymore and it's just like even think of that that's because I was worried about my dad's, like... Um, Maybe, yeah, dementia yeah. or... or yeah, right, yeah. yeah, like, starting to get those signs. And I was, like, oh, like scared, like, oh, now we have another thing to worry about. And, you know, honestly, it could just be the, the amount of alcohol, yeah. Because yeah. it affects, yeah, the amount of the things that it does to your brain. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's it's crazy, like, the, the stuff that you start to remember and recall uh, when when you do start to sober up. Um, but yeah, there was so much that I would forget. Even when I was in the hospital, I was still forgetting things constantly. And I was terrified that I had like drank myself into like permanent a, memory loss yeah, or something like that. Yeah, permanent memory loss or something. It was. Do it was you notice wild. that it's better now? Like now that you've been sober, much better. Okay. Yeah. It, it, like, or it doesn't take much to recall something. So like, I'll say something like not realizing that I had said it before or whatever. And someone will start to tell me that I've said it again. I'll go, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I did the, the thing. Like, not that I'm like trying to make it seem like I remember, like I genuinely like, it'll be like, it'll Oh click. fuck. That's yeah. right. I just said that or just did whatever. Whereas before, like when I was in the hospital, yeah, there was just like, I couldn't remember if I had taken medications and um, yeah, it was not great. I'm trying to remember. I can't even. That's the other weird thing is like, you can't even. I just remember that feeling of like, fuck. I don't know, what like what just happened. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Well, yeah, that's uh, like when I was drinking. Um, to the I point would, of blackout. That was my thing. Was like if I didn't just drink, it was like I'm gonna drink to the point where I would literally blackout, and I would have to call people the next day and be like, "What happened last?" And then night? you have the anxiety of the "What did I do?" or "What did I say last night?" kind right. of thing. Yeah. That's what towards the end of when I became sober, right before Chris went in, I had a night. I I would when I would go out or when I would drink, I would get to that point blacking out. Yeah, sometimes I would black out, and sometimes it was like almost there. And then the next day, I was having panic attacks because it's like, "What did I say? What did I do?" And I could remember some of the stupid things I did, and I, I was just so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I actually, the first time I remember it, I was like, that I did that. Um, I was 17, and I was like hanging out with some of our mutual friends, I'm pretty sure. And I went to a party, and I blacked out. And like the ride home in the morning was so uncomfortable for me because everybody else remembered what I had done that night, but I did not. Like it was so uncomfortable. And they joked and they teased me forever about it because like, 
the things that I did were just ridiculous and stupid. Yeah. But like that was my go-to after that. That was just to drink until I was at that point. And then, which does not make sense to me because I hated the feeling afterwards of like trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I used to laugh about it. I would laugh at the fact that I don't remember saying something or acting away because I, in my head, I'd be like, Oh, that's funny because that's not how I normally act. Right. And so I would just be like, I can't, that's weird that like some part of my brain allowed me to say this thing or had that viewpoint rather than being like, Oh man, there's a six hour window where you don't know what the fuck happened. With your situation, um, who have you like professionally reached out to? Do you count? <laughs> what about your? Th- have you talked to your therapist? Um, I'm not currently in therapy right okay. now. I was, um, but when I um, was planning on moving, I kind of like ended things, and I wanted to find a new therapist anyway. But okay, yeah, someone who's like maybe more like specified in trauma and stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I I think. I think I've told you this before, but um, to reach out to a chemical dependency counselor. I talk to a ton of those every day. I should really just like, but I'd also don't want to like, you know, try and like personal personal work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard. There's such a gray line. I do it all the time at my work. But I mean, but it is that gray line. I mean, Chris went, Chris was was hospitalized at the hospital I work at. Granted, like HIPAA violation, like we could, I couldn't discuss your case I mean, I wasn't working when you were in the hospital and like we didn't really discuss like you had to sign ROIs for them to even talk to me. But yeah, but I mean, but to that point, though, like they're going to be professional about it. Right. Like they're not they're not going to like treat you lesser than because like because you work there, you're supposed to be better than us or something. And I was nervous because like my my boss boss so my director actually did chris's like intake assessment that's like my super boss and i knew chris was going to be open and tell him all these things and i always thought like is my boss like is my director going to look think differently of me because of what's Whatever going on with my, yeah what's he experiencing up. but one thing that i have noticed is that and like my director i'm not trying to but he like they respect me a lot um, and I feel like it has made me a better employee because I now know I obviously have dealt with like personal stuff of, you know, with mental health um, and then having a family member dealing with that. It's like I have it all over the place where I think they look at me now as like I am a person that ha- I'm like more rounded about it. But they are 100 percent professional about it. Right. Sorry. That was really awkward. I uh, got no. LASIK. Um, not oh, last, crap. not on Friday, That's but right. the Friday before. So I, I have to keep my say, eyes like. We'll cut, we, we'll cut away. All Don't right. You worry Sweet. About it. <laughs> we'll just focus it on me during that. Yeah. There yeah. we go. You, you timed it perfectly while Kim's talking to do it that way. Right. Absolutely. Switch camera angles. I like also, that these you did lights that. like kind of start to make my eyes water too. So it's. Uh, well, okay. her eyes were probably. Her dry. eyes were getting yeah. dry. So mm-hmm. that's why she needed to do the. But yeah. I'm I wish we had an answer for help. you, like what well, to do. I do and I... have an answer. You okay. ha- so there's you have two options, right? You go the route of the legal recourse. Which... How would you have responded to that if I would have done that with you? 
I just want to know. Because like that time that you were super drunk in the cities and you walked around a bunch and you drove home. I'm not saying it's a good option. No, I know. But how would you like what? How would you responded to me if you knew I did that? She doesn't have control over how he's going to respond to it. No, I know. Okay. Sorry. That's uh, so I'm saying. Okay. That's why I was saying before, like sobriety doesn't mean that he's going to love you. And that's why right. I brought up the, well, I worded that wrong. He's not going to praise you for what, what you did. Like that Dawson's Creek thing that I brought up. Like, um, mm-hmm. sure. He did Great a good episode. thing. Check it out. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that she's going to be psyched that this, her dad got ripped away, away from her again. It's true. Okay. So that's what I'm saying is like, not necessarily it, it do, the best option, but it's yeah, one. It do, yeah. yeah, it does not equal a happy, like the happiest ending possible. So there's the legal route that you can go that shows empirical evidence as to him having a, a problem, right? So having to go through these legal things. And sometimes that goes up to like five DUIs before something happens. Oh, really? So it, it, like it doesn't even mean that... Well, after the first one, they get charged and some. I think they lose their license for 30 days and then you they have to do a course. Sometimes they have to do like a safety course. So uh, along those lines, I was actually talking to somebody about that, about his drinking and driving. And they were saying that if he were to get a DUI because his vehicle is paid off, they would impound it. Oh, And like, you can't get it back. Like they just take your vehicle now. And I don't know like what the rule on that is, but I don't know if that's like a new law or something. But if you straight up own your vehicle, Mm. they will take it. And you don't get to get it back. Wow. But the 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 the, the reason why I said it could, be, it could be five DUIs before something changes is because personally for them, exactly. Okay. They don't. Right. They don't view it. They just say, "I what an asshole that cop was. What a you know bullshit." Like they make excuses for why the shit is happening. Um, eventually, it can make a difference, and they're forced to. And then when they're sober for a couple of months, they're like, "Yeah, I don't want to deal with that shit again." Right. And it becomes more of an annoyance, and they just don't drink because they're like, ah, fucking, I want my car, I want to have my freedom again, da 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 da. And it's like, um, but even that can create what they call a dry drunk, where they're only sober because they have to be. Right. They're not happy about it. They would much rather be drinking. They still like. So then there's even resentment just there because they're just like super unhappy because they're not doing the thing they want to do. Yep, 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 yep. Even though they're sober. And they'll like throw that in your face too. Is like, at least I'm not fucking drunk, right? You know, like you can't be mad at me for that. And that's what you were like that one week you were sober. Yeah, yeah. Not good. Um, and then the other route is kind of a longer game, which is like arming yourself with the knowledge or um, the education to be able to be supportive and hopefully gradually get him to realize kind of what's happening um, with chemical dependency counselors and uh, like Al-Anon meetings. There's so many family. Oh, Kim, you are a part of a few Facebook groups, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, um, would you guys recommend, I don't know, just because your personal experiences with it, if I were to see a um, LADC or something, just because I am like, I'm not, I'm not a drunk or anything, but just because then I could like maybe arm myself with better tools to help him. Like yep. if I were to just go regularly see an LADC so, for uh, just therapy. C- yeah. So CDC, LADC, 
That's uh, meaning meaning the same thing. Um, so no, there's... counselors aren't licensed. This you is can, a licensed alcohol drug. You can be an L. What do you call it? CDC. A CDC. A CDC. That's a counselor, a drug counselor. You don't necessarily need to have like a master's and license oh, degree. Okay. To be. That's I probably see. a certified drug counselor. Yes. Yeah. So okay. you go through a certification for that. License are actually they have like their master's degree and all that. So there's a little bit of a difference. A lot of the CDCs are people that have experienced addiction. Yeah. Maybe we have you back on with because uh, we want to have Missy. We had oh, that yeah. LADC on. Um. Maybe we have you guys on at the same time. That would be really nice to like, because then you can right there ask and then people can come back to this and be like, have real world examples to hopefully help them too. Yeah, that would actually be a really good idea. But yeah, yeah that would just be. let me know. But yeah, so I mean, but the like really those are the only two op. The third option, which I know you're not going to go for, is to just leave and forget about them not the best option and you i've have thought m- about that one for sure that's <laughs> definitely been there like i feel like the longer it goes on to that so definitely that one yeah. sticks out more right. because it just because i'm just fed up and exhausted yeah 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 and like um i feel like i've kind of already started that with my withdrawal from him like i don't really talk to him anymore um because there was like a catalyst one day i came home and um we parked in the same garage and his car was parked really messed up like he had driven drunk and parked his car and i couldn't even pull in the garage so like i came in and i screamed at him and that's the thing is like i'm not reacting well to it like i'm aggressive about it Mm -hmm. which does not help the situation and um like i screamed at him for a long time that day and like i made him he was gonna come move his car i was like absolutely not you're not getting in that car give me your keys and like i i was really really mean to him so Mm. But I mean, we, 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 we've said it a couple of times, but like that whole resentment thing, you're basically experiencing microaggressions every single day. It's going to build up and, and, and fizzle over like that. That's totally understandable. Um, is there anything that you do currently that like, like quells the anxiety of, that's that situation like when you think about your dad or or what he's doing right now is there anything that has helped you i don't think so um i know that like there are times where he's fine and it's because so he has an on and again on again off again relationship with someone and when they're on again he drinks a lot less so like part of me because she doesn't drink all that much and so like part of me is just like constantly hoping that they're okay (laughs) and so i think that would be the only time i'm like my anxiety is kind of like lower about the whole situation but i just have really bad anxiety to begin with so i think i'm just constantly anxious about it sure you're a chihuahua (laughs) yes (laughs) fuck this is tough because normally we have like some type of happy end but this is the real fucking shit like the we i've said it on here a bunch of times that whole sobriety doesn't equal happy relationship afterwards. Like there's not always going to be a happy ending to these episodes and there's work to be done. And like, I hope, you know, listeners, like if you have advice or anything that helped you, please feel free to email that in uh, message our Facebook page, or you can join the Facebook group, which is the not so anonymous alcoholic 
Um, I created it like so that people could talk in there, but it hasn't been a lot. <laughs> hasn't taken off. <laughs> hasn't taken off quite yet. Um, but man, I would love it if, if people got in there and were able to talk with each other and support each other. And um, I, I just, I know that more than anything, that's what you need is people in your corner because it's, it's maddening to have these conversations with somebody and them like not giving any ground at all. And you're just left with yourself. So I hope you know that we support you and we want to be there for you as, as much as we can. And um, yeah, I, I hope that you know that your friends are, are as insanely supportive as well. Absolutely. That's why I reached out to you like <laughs> the few times I have, because I know that you are wise in this in maybe not completely wise like you don't know everything about it but you know you have your experience and things you've learned since so yeah it's i i i just said this a couple of weeks ago but like we used to say that we were glad that we had been through the shit that we'd been through on a relationship level because then we could help people in their relationships this is like the first real thing that i'm glad that i've been through this because it's actually helpful towards people's lives like relationships come and go and it's whatever like you're gonna survive but like alcoholism drug addiction you might not fucking make it so like i'm I'm glad that i've been through what i've been through to be able to hopefully help people and uh yeah kim duke thoughts i I think i'm out (laughs) checked out no i i have no thoughts left oh okay uh well uh if if you or a loved one are struggling, um, obviously the the main one you can go to aa.org. That's Alcoholics Anonymous. Smart um, Recovery is another one. Smart Recovery, I've stopped promoting because they have some questionable. It depends on which meeting you go to, because okay. they're kind of like because Alcoholics Anonymous isn't technically an organization, um, and it's all like based on the group. Smart Recovery has like a plan where they'll help you learn how to use responsibly. Oh, never mind. Okay. So yeah, I edit that out there champ. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave it in because some people, because atheists like that's one that gets thrown at us a lot is, is smart recovery. And it's like, ah, this is a bad idea. You're, you're playing with fire by thinking that you can go from drinking and driving. And then it's like, Oh, cool. I'm just going to have a little bit. (laughs) No, I don't think that's good. Um, And obviously you can go to betterhelp.com slash DDGD. You can be paired with one of or many, actually 13,000 now. Their their numbers have gone up massively. So you have so many options. For licensed therapists. For a licensed therapist uh, or counselor like the the LADC, like Joby was talking about. Yeah, there's just tons and tons of options and pair you to your specific needs. Support the podcast by supporting your mental health. Um, And as always, you can absolutely reach out to us, whether it's if you're a friend and you just happen to be a listener and you can contact Kim or myself. Otherwise, DuckDuckGrayDuke at gmail.com, DuckDuckGrayDuke on Facebook, and obviously the Not-So-Anonymous Alcoholic 
Facebook group as well. DuckDuckGreyDuke on Instagram as well. Yep, 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 yep. DuckDuckGreyDuke on all the things. Hopefully I'm going to be able to, I, I just found out that we can hopefully make our own RSS feed. So there will be just a straight up the Not So Anonymous Alcoholic channel. So people don't have to get confused about all the bullshit. Anyways. You guys need to get on TikTok. You know, we keep people hearing keep that. talking about that, yeah. Do you TikTok? I do. Okay, maybe you can help us then. Okay. Layla uh, can help us. She's a TikTok. <laughs> she's a master. Um, I just learned how to wear a back or a purse as a backpack from TikTok. My friends. Oh, I saw it. that one where you flip it over. Your, yeah. 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 <laughs> I watched somebody try to do it and they like they're the thing's too short. So they're just like. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, I love you. I love you. I don't know if you know how this show ends, Joe. Well, I love you guys, too. We love oh, you, too. Oh, good. So. I, that's funny. I was going to say I love you, but I didn't know if it would make you feel weird because I told Chris, Mara that I, believe, I loved her. I believe that you should tell your friends that you love that's them. That's what Chris strongly believes that, too, especially in the world we live in. We don't know what tomorrow has to bring. And Chris is all, well, Chris was a big hugger before. Not so much, obviously, because yeah. COVID. But, but I do tell people that I love them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it weirds I'm, people out sometimes. Like I, I, I'm weird. Like, first, bring it on. Yeah, that's what we're I say. weird. The first time I told Mara... <laughs> she was leaving and I go, all right, bye, I love you. She goes, okay. <laughs> she should be used to that by now because I still tell her every day that I love her. She finally, she said it one time and I was like, yeah! <laughs> I was so excited. When her and I broke up, like I still never stopped saying I love you because I did love her. I still do love her. So Yeah, well, yeah we need to have you back on. Duck Duck Radio. Yeah, Duck Duck Radio. So we can talk about more things because there's a lot to, to there's a lot to unfold with you. To oh, this is just a part of it. <laughs> I, I no one has called me that in so long. You are the only person who's called me that. <laughs> it's a fun one. It is. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, Kim Duke. And, and with, with that, that we, we will pass. pass.